Good afternoon, everybody. Eddie Webb, we are here in the New Media Lab at Mesa Community College. Today, we have our guest, Dr. Chris Bliss, who just graduated from NAU in the doctoral program in uh, leadership. She is currently the interim associate dean over our Red Mountain campus, and we feel very, very happy to have Dr. Bliss here to talk with us. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, Eddie. How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm uh, glad you made time for us to come on down to the studio. We were doing a podcast with our president, Lori Burkwam, and your name kept popping up. And so what we realized was the show had turned into who was coming on the next podcast. So we have a lineup and uh, you you were willing to come on down. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Before we get into some of these areas, I do want to say when I got here, you were one of the first folks that I kind of, hey, how you doing? You know, in these meetings, uh, we were going to seem like Back then, it was meetings, 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 meetings about meetings, about meetings, about meetings. Mm-hmm. Not that that has changed. It's just I've learned which ones I, you know, be a little more strategic once you get past par, you know? Right. And so you were like uh, heading up the, and you were very passionate about it. That's what I remember. It's like providing uh, child care for s- students. Mm-hmm. And I had a student who had three children. And uh, wrote this amazing paper about it. And I think that's how I came across you, actually, in some way. And then you went to student life, and now you're an interim dean over a whole college, and you're leading lots of different projects. Yeah. How'd that unfold for you? It's an interesting story, maybe. So, yeah, I started at the Children's Center here at Mesa Community College as a teacher, as a classroom teacher, and then became the manager of the program. Um, and I still say that that's where my soul lives, is, is there. Um, I learned a lot by being in the preschool, working with young children, and I think it served me real well as I've moved up. So I uh, was the manager, and then we had an opening for, we had a few departments in student affairs that didn't have managers for a while. Career services was one of them, and student life. And Dr. Pearson, our former VP of Student Affairs went through a hiring process, and I ended up becoming the manager of those three departments: so the Children's Center, Career Services, and Student Life. Right. Wow. So it was an interesting position, and yeah. I used to describe it. So I'm adjunct faculty in Education Studies. I teach Human Development there, and I used to describe it in that way. That was how I wrapped my head around that job. Was I literally see students from the very beginning, in the middle with student life, and then on the other side in career services with helping them find positions and getting internships and all of that. So I did that for a few years. And then when Nora, when Dr. Reyes got the position of senior associate VP, there was a vacancy at Red Mountain. And Dr. Burquam asked me if I would be interested in serving in, as an interim lead. And I said, sure. So that's how I ended up there. It's amazing. I mean, I think it's really great. And and the thing that's impressive about your contribution is that, like many people, you matched it with a continuing education yourself. You kept yep. growing as yep. a leader and understanding the systems. And obviously, you must be excellent at what you do. 
to, you know, hold the trust of the cabinet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dr. Pearson walked me off of several ledges getting stuff done, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, never really, for me, it never really turned into the next thing because I've just fell in love with the new media lab and yeah. found my home and, you know, I'm happy. Yeah. But uh, I just love to see people come here and it works out. Yeah. You know, it works out for people and some people struggle, 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 you know, never works out. And, uh, yeah. you know, so it's, it's just really uh, good. I think, I think folks uh, would appreciate your story. You know, I see you're actually leading a resilience training thing here. At May- what is, what is the resilience training? So one of the things that I got involved with, oh gosh, in 2012, I think, uh, was a program for students called Leader Shape. And that's a, a thing that Maricopa as a system participates in. So it's a week-long leadership training for all 10 colleges we, we select. We put out applications and student apply, students apply. And we, it's an in-person thing that we've done in the past. And I liked it so much, I became a, a facilitator with that organization. So I get to travel to other universities and do leadership with students. So I've been to the University of Memphis, UNC Chapel Hill, UW uh, Lacrosse. Um, so part of part of their curriculum is they also do what they call resilience training, and they offer that for both employees of universities as well as students. Mm-hmm. And when the pandemic came, you know, I thought resilience training would be good, right? Like, how can we help both our students and our our employees as we move through this pandemic? I brought the resilience training years ago to Mesa and Gateway uh, when I was the MAT president a long time ago, and it was very successful for the MAT please. And I thought, let's do it again. Let's let's bring it again and do it virtually. So I offered sessions. They're recorded for the employees. Employees can log on and listen to the recording or listen to what we talked about. And then the student session is actually still live. And, and students, it's asynchronous, so students can log in and do resilience training and we, we have access to it until June 1st. So it's just a way to kind of help individuals kind of manage this time that we're in, right? Like, cause yeah. it's, I don't know about you, but I've never been through a pandemic before. So like, how, how can I help folks manage that? Yeah, that's incredible. I work a lot with Todd Taylor from Chapel Hill. Oh, nice. Do you know Todd? I Todd? don't know Todd. Yeah, yeah, he's an amazing know. guy, man. He's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. Now, when you were doing this work, was that as a representative of Maricopa or were you doing it on your own? Doing it on my own time. Okay. Yeah, cool. doing it on my own time. Nice. Yeah. It's something I enjoy. You know, I love working with students and I love, yeah. you know, I think that this goes back to my time as a teacher in the classroom, seeing that light bulb turn on over, over a kid's head, whether that kid is three or whether that kid is 65. Yeah. You know, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, right. it's just super meaningful to me. And sure. it's like, oh, they made a connection. Or or watching them grow, um, both physically as well as cognitively. It just, yeah. and so leadership teaches the students how to think differently. We, t- we do social justice uh, work in there as well as uh-huh. leadership. You know, we do the disc for them so they can figure out their strengths and they, they create a vision of what they want the world to be. And it's always, I get goosebumps every time I talk about it. Yeah. Sounds, that sounds exciting. Yeah. I, all my dissertation work, I work directly with my tribe, mm-hmm. our tribal council and the leaders. And, uh, you know, we focused on uh, how essay documentary work motivates people to want to engage in, in our tribal citizenship. 
and how that transcends into the classroom for all people. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that, I there was the part that I'm interested in these days is conflict resolution because I'm such, I generate conflict so easily, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I started studying a lot about what that is and why that is. And that some of the discussion uh, Lori and I have been having around deficit thinking, mm-hmm. like when you, you're raised in a culture where mm-hmm. it's very deficit, you know, you, it's sort of, you have these things about trust and, you know, like it's never going to happen. And so I realized, you know, that, that I'm driving a lot of that because of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I got involved with this uh, thing called Indian Men Wellness Program. And so that work is very similar to what you, you do with this resilience stuff. I yeah. think it's really, really exciting. And I'm glad I'd like to see us have uh, more of that kind of training and know yeah. about it. You yeah. know, be able to, I, I mean, the, I think that's something the New Media Lab could support through making PSAs or something, you yeah. know, have students do some uh, real kind of dialogue training, you know, so yeah, maybe down sure. the road we can talk about that. But Absolutely. It, that sounds like uh, amazing work. So what's it like to be the interim associate dean? <laughs> that is a real interesting question because yeah. I started the job on February 24th of 2020, and then everything basically shut down (laughs) and so and so um people ask me you know what's it like and I said well my experience has been I've done it in a pandemic yeah so I don't know that I'm getting the full like legitimate experience (laughs) of being an associate dean yeah because I don't have the regular issues I think that would be in place or the regular interactions that would be in place if we were in person Um, I will say, again, I think um, working in student life and working in the Children's Center has prepared me for not knowing what the day is going to hold. And I think that that's true of being an associate dean over a campus. Right. But but you're not on site when the water pipe breaks, or are you? I am. I've been at Red Mountain since August. Yeah. I go every day. Oh, you actually go to campus? I go to campus every day. Yeah, after I leave here, I'll go to campus. Um, Yeah, I go to campus every day. So I've been there. I've been there when they shut the water off to Uh the entire campus accidentally. (laughs) I have have been there when the air conditioning went off in the building of that is the biology, in Saguaro building where the biology and animals are, right? So I, yes, I have. (laughs) So you have a facilities uh, director out there or? No, um, almost everything is housed at the Southern and Dobson campus. So there, there are Southern and Dobson employees and there are Red Mountain employees that take care of the facilities, but they're split their time usually between both campuses. So they're on call to head out to Red Mountain. Or they send sp- certain days oh. at the, at the oh, Red okay. Mountain campus, right? Like maybe yeah. they're out there on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So the, uh, the trick is to schedule your emergencies. 100% right. <laughs> that is 100% right. That's good. That's wonderful. What's, uh, tell me, what's the most important lesson you've learned from going from an adjunct faculty, from a director to a dean? Yeah. Uh, for me, and again, I, you know, I, People say this all the time that I rely on my experiences of being a teacher, a preschool teacher. 
I define my, my leadership style as being very relational. I believe in building relationships with the people I work with at whatever level that is. And I think the core of that is building trust with people and being communicative and clear and transparent with people as much as I can. And I think that that's something that I learned early on in my managerial work, in addition to working with children, that I've just kind of carried through. Um, and, I, and, it, and it gets validated with every new job that I'm in. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are the kind of core principles. Having been here and watched such a high turnover administration yeah. and experiencing why and, you know, the confidential stuff, it's, it's, seems to me it's just easier to be transparent yeah. and do the job. I mean, every, everybody should want the same thing and that is for us to be successful. Exactly. You know? And so share that vision and right. move things forward. We, we passed over something you said that I forgot to put on here. It's like, oh yeah, she also, Dr. Bliss also became the president of uh, the, the SAP, SAC. Are you uh, talking about the Classified Staff Council? Yeah. Yeah. Right? In a long ago time. So you became a, the president. Yeah. And all of a sudden, yeah. there you were. I, I see you standing up to Eddie Jenna. And yeah. Not up to Eddie, next to Eddie Jenna. Uh, at some of these things. And yeah. Yeah, that was a hard time, I think, to go through. Mm -hmm. um, our chancellor at that time, I mean, I watched all of that play because I used to go to all the board meetings. Mm -hmm. uh, the chancellor is a friend of mine, I would say, mm -hmm. and uh, always treated me with the utmost respect and love. So it was a really hard time uh, to watch all of that unfold, you know. I'm not sure we're completely through with that yet, but it was also alarming to see things, you know, like the need for some of those challenges. Yeah. Anyway, I, I know that you were instrumental in, in really bringing the voice for your people because this notion of living wages and financial security and rights in the public square had to be articulated. Right. Yeah. And that was really my role. I mean, yeah. as the elected representative of the classified staff, I felt it was important to represent the voice of the people, yeah. right? Yeah. And and bring attention to and ask to have a seat at the table for various conversations. Who's the president now? So the classified staff council as it was as it existed when i was in at the district office was disbanded by the governing board so we now have a new i believe it's called the interim employees senate and oh. it's a different structure different model um and i think there are two co-presidents right now from uh paradise one's from paradise valley and one's from scottsdale i believe Okay, yeah, there was a lot of that reorg type yeah. stuff. I'm sure somebody went to another college and found the model. That, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they determined the yeah. structure that we currently have, but yeah. That was, uh, you know, it was a very interesting time for a lot of people. I'm actually kicking around the idea of making a, a short documentary about that time. Really? I, yeah, I think people should know both sides of that. I think it would be interesting for the students. I think... Uh, you know, for Arizona, for Maricopa. And then there's other days I think I also want to make one about bass fishing at Sora Lake might be better. You know what I mean? <laughs> like at my age, yeah. I'm like, eh, yeah. or picking a good worm for bass fishing <laughs> right, might be good. Right, right, right. You know? But uh, we'll see. Anyway, thank you for that service. Yeah. I know you're uh, 
I know your staff must be very, very grateful. And I hope things have improved on that end. I mean, I'm a big advocate. I've been a big advocate for, like, when I got here, I was surprised, like, in the bond, there was very little for student services. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. You know? It's been a challenge. I mean, yeah. you know, so many spaces, like, I'll, I'll use the Children's Center as an example. Um, we're, we're getting renovated this, this summer, which I'm very grateful for before we have the children back. I, I, by the way, I still supervise the children's center. I'm still like the indirect manager of it. Yeah. Um, and so we're getting new carpet and new paint and, (laughs) and it's been, I've, I've worked at Mesa for 17 years and only one time since I've been there, have we gotten new carpet and new paint in that building. And we still have cabinets from the 1980s they're turquoise and you know we just make do with what with what exists and so um i'm grateful that we're starting to see some attention paid to that department for sure but others as well did it take a while to get carpet and paint or yeah like we're getting it this summer right so it's uh yeah i mean those guys too you know when you because we get paint and carpet in here what i think it was like a year maybe mm-hmm, i don't mm-hmm. know it was a long time mm-hmm. you know and those guys are like you know we got like three guys yeah know? oh and yeah so they're overworked oh yeah they're doing the, you know it's 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 amazing i you know um our citizens should understand you know we're working on a you know, real thin budgets and and uh, all of that, and people are really dedicated to public education. Yep. I, I wish people would get more credit. That's one of the reasons yep. we kind of started this show, and because of COVID, there there was no students here. So, what are we going to do with this podcast studio? Well, right. let's make some podcasts. But I I just wish people could understand. You know, people contribute way above and beyond what they would do in the private sector. Oh, for you sure. know what I mean? Like being a contractor, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, there's guys that are like, hey, we need an extra wheelbarrow of dirt. And they're like, okay, well, that's yeah. $125 more. You right. know, you're like, well, what do you mean? You know, because you get institutionalized as a teacher uh, to just give and give and give. Yeah. And I think those guys, that's what I learned working with those guys when I was getting frustrated. It's like, look, man, you know, I got. Oh, yeah. 20 other buildings I have to, you know, and then I have to get three vendors and I have to get a budget and I have to meet, you know. Oh, yeah. I totally know the processes yeah. and all of the red tape and the hoops that people have to jump through. And I mean, I do have a, a post-it note on my desk in my office that is my guiding, kind of my North Star. And it's the question, how does this benefit students? Yeah. Right. And so I use that to help me make my decisions. And I think that that's how a lot of our employees, whether we're in academic affairs, student affairs, IT, fiscal, even M&O, how does the work that I do benefit the students? I think if we come back to that as our yeah. foundation, we we have no problem with going the extra mile. Oh, yeah. That's always the motivation. Yeah. That, that's why, like, you know, you build those relationships yeah. with students. But there's also, you know, that's a... There's a lot of other people that need to be oh, supported yeah. and we need to think about, because I, I was in meetings this week where people kept talking about the system, you know, the system, the system, how the system works, how the system, mm-hmm. and all of my dissertation and work is around humanizing data. Mm-hmm. You know, people are not objects, they're people. Right. 
And we can't treat people like objects. You know, right. we have to, we have to take that time. I think that's when a, uh, Dr. Burkwam's thing was, and she showed up as she sort of looked around and started this kind of kindness initiative. Yeah. Like, hey, wait a minute. You know, we need to learn how to, you know. Yeah. So I think good things are happening. And it sounds like you're a, a key stakeholder in that leadership. I also see that you are the uh, co-chair of a committee that will be reviewing proposals for this, how do you say it? Herf. Herf. I keep wanting to say, Fund. I keep I wanting to say like heifer, like I a cow, know, but know. it's herf. That's why I let you go first. <laughs> I was like, you know, uh, I, I'm an old, I'm an old wrangler, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm like herf, herf. herf. So um, tell it, hey, that must be really exciting. It what is. is it's it? so... Our team is basically going to be vetting proposals that, that the, it's open to the college, right? So anybody can submit an idea. And how did Lori put it? She called us the team that says yes. Like that's going to be our main job is to say yes to things. Our other part of our job is to figure out how things align. So for example, if a student affairs department has an idea and it's very similar to an idea that comes from academic affairs. How can we leverage those two to kind of get more bang for our buck or, or help the collaboration across different, different areas of the college? Um, so it's an exciting work. I, I, I talk about, um, you know, President Biden talks about building back better, you know, with all of the money that's being invested as a result of the pandemic. And that's kind of how I think about this is an opportunity to build Mesa back better, uh, how we can leverage and use the funds to ensure that we're, you know, keeping pace with changes uh, as a result of the pandemic. Yeah. I, you know, for us over here, the pandemic, as tough as it has been, has also been like a place where, you know, we started off with, you know, we have to modernize the language arts, right? Mm -hmm. And so we started doing documentary essay work in just my little classes over there and a little camera I bought. And all of a sudden, it became such an amazing thing, right? And now the, the uh, full spectrum of what we teach became very critical in the workforce. Mm -hmm. And so the pandemic made people deal with technology in a way, like, you see faculty, you see student life doing PSAs, you see them doing videos. You know, our president does a bunch of videos all the time, right? So my thing was, well, if our administrators, if the top people use video in their careers to advance their careers, can't you see the connection of why right. we should be teaching this to students? Right. I think in, in my dissertation, I said that the pandemic forced us into the 21st century. Yeah, that's it, right. it forced it to happen. I don't know. You should have gotten a survey for my um, my dissertation. I don't know if you saw it. It may have gotten lost in your email inbox last spring. But I, I was looking at the title of my dissertation is Reimagining Community Colleges, Measuring Faculty's Perception of Disruption and Change as a Result of the COVID-19 Pandemic. So I wanted to look at how faculty have changed in their thinking, in their idea of risk-taking as a result of the pandemic. Hmm. So because I think that yes, the, the world won't be what it was. It should not be. We should not go back to the way we were. I like to call it, we should be moving into our better normal, not our new normal, but our better normal. Because yeah. normal as it existed in the past didn't work for everybody. 
And so how can we learn? How can we learn from what we experience and make it better going forward? Yeah. And so that's this HERF funding is an opportunity to do that, to provide professional development for people to encourage new ideas, to innovate and try new things, you know, like that's all what risk taking is, is that being able to try new things, given the space to try new things and maybe fail, but fail fast and fail forward and learn from it and then iterate and try again. But at least as an institution, there is a formal kind of process for that kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and early on with this, I knew, like, we have to institutionalize this again, because I had been through, like, nine, between vice presidents and president, like, nine. Yeah. Or eight, maybe. You know, and so you you build stuff, and then they leave, and you build stuff, and they leave. And I'm like, I don't know, you know, so that was the thing we did, is we were 100% transparent. We did mm-hmm. presentation trees first at the with my chair and dean and then to the faculty senate and then to the chancellor and the, you know what i mean yeah, and yeah. made this stuff institutionalized so that it doesn't go away with the next president right and it sounds like that's what you're doing as well is making sure that the support for these ideas are well funded and it's it can, i mean yeah. you know that everybody knows where the funding is the purpose of it right and we used to, you know, uh, a long time ago, we had that, Craig and them had that project. Yeah. What was that? The like, Informed Improvement, yeah, right? Yeah, Informed yes. Improvement. Yes. So I followed all of that stuff. And, you know, we have tons of, tons and tons of projects and evidence mm-hmm. and record and all of that stuff. And even with all of that, it's still like, because, you know, I'm talking to our president left on a Wednesday. Yep. You know? And uh, our chancellor, our provost left on a Tuesday. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, you know, it's really good to keep record of all Mm -hmm. of this stuff. Yeah. So in your dissertation, Mm -hmm. uh, how can I get a copy of that, first of all? I'd like to read it. You know, people have have asked me that question, and my response is always, it's 251 pages. Now, 30 pages of that is, you know, references, so... But I don't know that you really want to read it, but it should be available for sure on ProQuest soon. Um, yeah. So graduation for me was actually April 30th. Yeah. And I don't know how long it takes for that process to happen, but it should be up soon. I, I think can, we have to have a, you have to have an account with ProQuest. I, yeah, I had created one and I know they had to do the no, copyright. No, I mean if you want to. Oh, copy. oh. If, I don't think you can just. I. You should be able to access it through the through our library here, I would think. We no? don't have ProQuest. Oh. I tried getting funding for ProQuest for oh. students, and we, it Didn't was like 25000 oh. something like that. Well, I'll send you a copy of it if you'd like to read it. I would like I a will copy send it to you. You guys heard it. <laughs> here. I would like to read it. I, I will love send it reading to you. dissertation. It's, it's yeah, it's, how, uh, it's interesting. How are you using it on a, in, in Mesa and in Red Mountain? Well, as we kind of uh, alluded to before we started recording, I'm, I'm still in dissertation recovery mode. <laughs> Everybody that has right? 1% Ugh. of the population knows what you're talking about. <laughs> so I'm still kind of relaxing or learning how to relax again. But um, my hope is that, so some of my key findings as a result of my work, one was to create a kind of a looping education model at a community college. And if that's not something you're familiar with, Stanford University did a um, 
a pilot program in 2015 where they admitted, I forget the total number of students they admitted, but they gave them six years to complete their education at Stanford. So rather than front-loading education into four years at traditional university, and then, then there's a break, and then they come back maybe for a couple years, and maybe they come back again. This was allowing the education to happen and occur when the students needed it and when it was appropriate for them. What, which level of the degree? Bachelor? This is a ba- this bachelor's. Okay. So your four-year degree. And, and in my head, as I was reading this, I thought, we kind of already do that at the Maricopa, you know, within Maricopa and Mesa, right? Like it's not, we have students that come in and out of education based on their life circumstances and based on their finances and based on all these other things. But what if we made it really intentional? Um, what if we provided more opportunities for stackable credentials and micro-credentials? and encourage our students to get a credential and then move out into the work world and find a job. And maybe that job will give them tuition money so they can come back and get another credential and move up, move up the ladder. I I use nurse assisting as an example. So students can come and take a nurse assisting coursework and be done in, I think it's eight weeks now. And then they can get a job right away as a nurse assistant. But then maybe they can come back and get a, a certificate in phlebotomy. And then they can learn how to draw blood, and that would make them even more marketable in the in the world. And then maybe they could come back and get a, take a get a certificate in respiratory therapy, right? So it's this idea of of looping, this idea of being here when the students need us. So that's one that's one thing. You you mean like a community college? Weird. <laughs> but being but being very like intentional about it, right? Like being very like yeah transparent about it, right? Um, another idea I had, another key f- or recommendation was the creation of what I call an innovation and, s- uh, I'm sorry, a discovery and solution center. So Skysong from ASU and the Decision Theater from ASU. I don't know if you're familiar with those two things. So Skysong is like an incubator for entrepreneurs. And then um, the Decision Theater is a data place. It's a 360-degree screens and you can plug in data and get learn all kinds of things what if we created something like that at our college somewhere and worked with local businesses and you know had them come in and we could help them with trends we could and and get students engaged with marketing with podcasts with you know things like that help help the local businesses learn and be a space for local businesses to help find solutions to future problems. Well, you can see the screens around the room. Yes. And this is one of the reasons the Chamber of Commerce at Mesa, the Mesa Chamber of Commerce gave us the uh, award, mm-hmm. you know, their yearly award, because that's the kind of innovation we were trying to do. Yeah. Is part of our mission is we'll find a small business. I like to find a business that does not have resources, mm-hmm. and we help them. Yeah. Yeah, we, we create PSAs for them or a marketing piece that they have, you know? Yeah. And that was part of our part of our initial mission, you know, was to create that kind of space. Yeah, yeah. So I, well, I, hope, I hope you get it across the line. I know, know? yeah. And I'm, I'm grateful to know that there's, you know, work out there that, you know, I can model off of, right? You know what I yeah. mean? Like... I know that these are not new ideas, but feel like that's kind of what we need to do. We need to do more of. We communities in our middle name, as I like to say, and so how can we better serve the community? Yeah. Well, I I think it's 
again, it, with the shifting tides, you mm-hmm. know, to me, I don't, I mean, I would like for us to realize our potential, but however it gets done, get it done, yeah. you know, because it, it needs to happen, yeah. you know, for the community because, we, you know, that is such a mission of our community college. Yeah. That's why, you know, you and I pay property taxes and people pay tuition is that we're supposed to be helping civilization along, right. you know, and, and affordable and access education for our citizens. That's right. the whole point, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that as things change and new people show up with ideas and then the people who do the work, the dissertation work, I'm not saying that you have to have that, but it is nice to, to, to see somebody go through that process you know, and have findings, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I can rely on my findings in the the analytical part when things come up, you know, well, you know, I actually proved this scientifically. That's, what do they call that? That's worth like a sandwich and a cracker or something. I don't know what's the saying. (laughs) That sounds about right. (laughs) But, you know, you, 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 you brought up Biden and, uh, I've tried to stay away from names around politicians, uh, you know, I read something this week that he wrote that was very important. He said, you know, these faculty, these scholars and stuff need to stop talking down to people. Because when you think about it, one, 1. 1.2 or something around there, 1.5% of, of the American population, people have doctors. That means 90, right. not, you know, 98 people don't. Right. And so we have to listen to everybody, you know, and be inclusive around that. And uh, it was really like, oh, yeah, humbling, you know. You know, just just because you did this one thing doesn't make you, you know, all that and everything. Right, right. So that idea, but it does strengthen you, you know, to be an asset for for people who you can work with. Yeah. And want to work with you. So, yeah, that that sounds absolutely exciting. So we are here at the New Media Lab talking with Dr. Chris Bliss, who is the acting interim associate dean over our Red Mountain campus. We've actually just kind of doing a conversational piece of uh, her. She's been so willing to share her professional development and growth and experiences with us today. And she's doing amazing work, has been doing amazing work, and it looks like uh, lined up to do a lot more amazing work for Maricopa. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure, you know, we're very, very fortunate to have you and your, you know, your desire to to keep serving in the, in yeah. the, at the community college. Yeah. But it looks like you're one of those people that just, well, you're going to lose you as a president at some university <laughs> somewhere sometime. I looks have like no a- idea. You know, one of the one of the things when, when people, um, cause I working with students, a lot of times they want to ask me like, how did you get here? Yeah. How did you, so they, so they've asked me a lot about my journey. And one of the things that I always tell people is that when opportunities present themselves, I almost always say yes. Almost always. The only time I will say no is if I'm already too busy and I just physically cannot do it. And, um, I think, you know, that's how I, that's how I've gotten where I am is just saying yes to things because I, I will learn something one way or another. I'm going to learn, yeah. 
yeah. I'm not good at that thing or I'm really good at that thing. And so who knows what the future holds? Who knows? Well, I'm sure it's going to be good things. I'm actually learning to say no. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Maybe uh, you could teach me how to yeah, do that. <laughs> I'm at a place where I'm learning to say no. Yeah. Good. Um, what we love, we love, I mean, there's been a, I've seen a core group of people the 21 years I've been here. We just love, we love Mesa Community College yeah. and yeah. Maricopa. We love our work, our jobs. It's a privilege to do the work that we do yeah. because for me, it's so directly connected to students yeah. and the, and the demographic of student. Like I could have, I was at ASU as a UC Davis. I could have stayed at the universities yeah. and did research, Yeah, but I didn't, I wanted to connect with the kids that come from my uh, zip code, you know? Yeah. I come from the poor working class and that's the students, you know, that, yeah. that I see a lot. And those are the students that I want to work with, you know, make their dreams come true. So before I came, before I came here, I lived on the East Coast for almost 10 years. And I was a preschool teacher and a kindergarten teacher there. I was, I taught preschool at Harvard and then I taught kindergarten at Brown, right? So I know, I mean, I've seen elite, you know, universities, right? And, and worked in spaces that were incredibly elite. And then, you know, I, and then I came to Mesa in 2004 and I've been here ever since. And I'm probably the happiest that I've ever been here, even though when I first started, I was a PSA grade six. Like I was like right. low paid, whatever. It didn't matter. I was doing something I enjoyed. And graduation day is my favorite day of the year. It's my favorite day of the year because I get to ask the students and hear their stories. What's next for you? Um, and how did Mesa help you get there? You know, I want to know. And it's, it's just, I love it. I get so pumped. Yeah, I'm so excited. No, it's, it's been uh, amazing to watch you grow into what you're doing. And I expect great things from you in the future, you know? Awesome. So we like to give our guests a final word to the community. What would you like to say? I don't, I don't even really know. I just, I, I just want to thank the Mesa community, right? Like I, I so appreciate working with all the people that I know and I, and I see all the hard work that they do, everybody. And I just want to thank you on behalf of our students for all the, for all the work that everybody does to help move our students forward and be successful in whatever way is appropriate for them. Right. So I guess that's it. Eddie Webb. We are here at the New Media Lab at Mesa Community College. Our podcast today has been with Dr. Chris Bliss, serving as the interim associate dean over our Red Mountain campus. We hope you've uh, enjoyed our talk. If you want to know about the HERF funding, we'll post uh, the link inside of this podcast. We want to thank... Uh, Dr. Bliss for taking time to talk to us. And as they always say in my dad's language, don't go We'll see you again. And remember, take care of each other out there. See ya. Royalty-free audio, Grinoline Dreams, by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can find more of his work at incompetech.com. 
The Maricopa County Community College District, MCCCD, is an EEO-AA institution and an equal opportunity employer of protected veterans and individuals with disabilities. All qualified applicants will receive consideration for employment without regard to race, color, religion, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, age, or national origin. A lack of English language skills will not be a barrier to admission and participation in the career and technical education programs of the district. The Maricopa County Community College District does not discriminate on the basis of race, color, national origin, sex, disability, or age in its programs or activities. For Title IX 504 concerns, call the following number to reach the appointed coordinator, 480-731-8499. For additional information, as well as the listing of all coordinators within the Maricopa College System, please visit maricopa.edu slash non-discrimination.